Hello and welcome to the very first one-on-one film review episode of Spill Your Beans with George Sheer. Today I'm joined with a very special guest and that is Josh Carr. Hello. You may know Josh Carr if you're in the Doctor Who community. He has a podcast of his own called Who Knew. It's one of the best Doctor Who podcasts out there. You should definitely go and listen to it. I've mm, been on a guest. Shucks. Been on as a guest a few times now. Three, two or three. A, a few times, yeah. About, two or three about, times. About, yeah. about that, yeah. Um, so definitely go and check that out. Um, links in descriptions, probably, if I can put... Yeah, just wherever. Um, if not, I'll be sharing stuff on the Twitter page, at Spill Your Beans. So check that out. Uh, today we're going to be talking about... Um, a film which came out in 2014 called Whiplash. Um, a bit of a huge splash on the Oscars scene all the way back then. Uh, but a film that I hadn't seen until last year. Um, which I've now made up for by watching it about three or four really? times. So, yeah. yeah. So today we're going to be discussing that. Um, so we're going to be starting off by just talking about the general sort of thoughts on the film. So Josh, what do you think about Whiplash? I bloody love it. I... I just... Every now and again, you just get a film that, I mean, it just got me in mm. in seconds. Absolutely, like as soon as I heard that that opening drum roll, mm. I was in. I was in, and I I absolutely adore the film, um, so so much. And I think it it was it was deserving of all of the Oscars buzz. It, in oh, my opinion, absolutely. deserving of a bit more. Yeah, because um, it it didn't win. I'm right in saying it didn't win Best Picture, did it? it I know J.K. Simmons. You won. got supporting actor. I think it got editing and sound, sound design. Yeah, I think maybe. Um, I might be wrong in that one, but yeah, no. Um, definitely deserves Best Picture. I can't remember what else was up that year. Um, but I think it was a really strong year. Yeah, really, really strong year. Yeah, I don't, I don't know whether Nightcrawler was up that year, and. Yeah, I can't. I can't exactly remember. I'm trying to do a quick uh, frantic Google. Quick, Birdman quick won. Frantic. Oh well, there you go. Birdman I haven't seen is also Birdman. Amazing. I haven't seen that. Haven't you? I mean, um, I know we're meant to be bigging up Whiplash, but yeah. Birdman is is, is actually <laughs> quite a worthy it can contender. Go off topic. Yeah, it's um, Birdman's really good. Oh, but to be fair, The Theory of Everything, Selma, The Imitation Game, Grand Budapest Hotel, Boyhood, American Sniper, and Birdman were all up for best film that year. That was a tough one. That, that is a year and a half. That is mad. That's mad, yeah. Um, but yeah, no, um, Whiplash, for me, one of those films that I just avoided for ages for some reason. Not like intentionally, I just never really got round to um, wanting to sort of stick it on and watch it. You know, again, when it's when it's done the Oscars circuit, and then a few years later, and I was, when it came out, I must have been like 13 years old, so I wasn't really bothered back then, but, um, you know, living in a house with film students, I uh, quickly got introduced to it um, last year when they put it on, and it was, it was marvellous. Again, what you're saying from the first scene, I think it was one of those films that just catches you, so almost like straight away, and you go, like, this is going to be a good film. Yeah. Um, just from the style, just generally the, again, from the get-go, like the sound design, the directing, just from that first scene where J.K. Simmons just sort of stands there and watches um, is it Andrew? I'm going to get it wrong. He's yeah, Andrew. Andrew, um, uh, Andrew Neiman. Andrew I Neiman. He... Um, whilst he's playing at the beginning, I think that's, it is, it's a wonderful little opener. Um, and although it doesn't totally, I mean, it does connect to the rest of the film, but it's sort of, it feels quite disjointed, but I really like it as an opening scene because it's like, yeah. okay, I get what this film is. 
in this like two minutes and I, that's all i need to know and i'm ready um yeah i'm curious to know did you um ever stumble upon the short film i watched it for the first time yesterday so i've i've got it on mm. i've got it on blu-ray um and yeah i mean i, I saw whiplash way back when it first came out i think i, I must have watched it later on that year because i didn't see it in the cinema um because mm. that that's another thing it caught me at a really good time because like you said you you were quite a young whippersnapper mm. at the time <laughs> i think i'd just just started my film studies course at a level and so i was i was in for film that's perfect yeah yeah it, it was it was great timing but yeah i i watched the, the short film um yesterday because that's mm. a, an extra feature on the blu-ray and ah. it struck me I, I thought i'd watch it and it would be really really different mm. it's not it's it's almost it's... just an excerpt from the film yeah i i think that and but i love that about it i think it's when i watched it i was like well i know exactly what this is it's just a scene from the film which is great mm. but i suppose it shows a testament to how like short films in themselves are so so important because you've got a phenomenal film which i think it's it's, it's got to be a lot of people's favorite film out there whiplash i mean it's a, it's one mm. of those films that keeps getting mentioned and talked about it is one that people love um but it does it is a testament to that short films can be important to the like success of bigger films um you know starting whiplash as this fantastic basically like five star short film piece um mm -hmm. again helped brilliantly by the wonderful jk simmons who we'll get on to um yeah. but yeah well, the, the well, fact on, that on the short film turn that, on the short yeah. film because i i did i did a, a, quite a bit of research mm. and i because because when you said about doing whiplash i was like this is great i love this film mm. and now i love it even more because i've done a lot of research into how it was made mm. it is insane how this film was made <laughs> so Damien Chazelle is the director, mm -hmm. probably one of the best young directors out there yeah. at the minute. Mm. You know, I think he's had, I don't know if First Man got nominated for Best Picture, but his first three films have all been nominated for Best Picture, which is, if, if that is the case, which is mental. Um, he, I, I looked into it and he made this short film as an excerpt of this full script that he'd written. Mm. and took it to Sundance as a 28-year-old, you know, pretty green around the gills, um, pretty young, and won the jury short film award. Exactly one year later, he opened Sundance with Whiplash, mm. the full feature. That's fantastic. And he hadn't started pre-production by the time the, sh the short film was made, he he made this film. He they filmed it in nineteen days. That's insane. I heard that somewhere. That that's actually mental. Yeah. Um. So I, I looked into why because I was like, why why would you choose to film it like that? Because even if if you've only got a year, mm. you know, it's it, you're still cutting it fine. It was all down to Mars Teller because mm. if in the short film it's a different actor uh, I think mm. he's called Johnny Simmons um, who yeah. plays plays the role of Andrew and uh, Miles Teller was 
always number one choice. They wanted him for the short film, but he wasn't available. Mm. And apparently Damien Chazelle said, I will wait for you. And they had to wait till the very last minute to get him available, which is why they only had 19 days to shoot. Wow. And he also didn't know how to play the drums, so which is a bit of a key part. Um, But yeah, absolutely mental. And then one month post-production as well. That's insane. I mean, but again, I I can kind of... That makes sense, though, I think, when watching it, because it does almost feel like... Um, and I know it does. It had. It was originally. It sort of came from a short film. I know. Obviously, the, um, it being an episode, um, excerpt from the whole film, it does feel like a short film, just feature length. If you know what I mean, it's got that sort of mm. minimalistic vibe to it. There's like, really, let's be honest. There's a, there's two, if at a push, three main characters in this. Mm-hmm. Um, Miles Teller's um, Andrew, J.K. Simmons, Fletcher, and um, Andrew's dad as well. I would say yeah. out of push. Everyone else is kind of there. They've got lines here and there, but I think the, the the fact that it focuses on these three main characters throughout the whole film is it gives it that sort of minimalistic vibe. Again, not many sort of different locations. A lot of it takes place either in the school or in that concert hall, or behind the scenes yeah. at a concert hall. And I quite like that as a as an aesthetic. It, it really sets it apart from other films that come out, um, especially ones around music as well. And I was thinking this again when I rewatched it, is that I, actually I think with Whiplash, it's one of those films that feels almost like a biopic, but isn't at all and has so much more freedom with that, which actually lends to it a lot better. I feel like mm. films about music work really well um, commercially when it's about someone we know in the music industry. Biopics on um, musicians have been done for like generations, but I love the fact that this is, and I know it's not the first of its kind, but it's sort of one that really took it you know it, it sort of took to the sort of general audiences so much better and it just seemed to really i don't know it it, it just it, it struck me as is is obviously different and exciting and the way, especially the way it's directed as well which um shouldn't go unnoticed it's a phenomenally directed film mm. you know every shot um every you know scene is thought out almost perfectly and the way that it, whatever the camera's focusing on it, it sort of glides in almost the right way when it's focusing on the drums it's very heavy cuts in terms of the editing um but when it's like on the sort of uh, the wind instruments it's kind of like gliding along and i love that yeah. as well like little the, elements the like sound that, just... editing also the sound editing and the direction just mm. go hand in hand and oh, if either of the two had slipped you know i don't think this film would have worked but the fact that they both work so well because mm. it's Damien Chazelle, because obviously, like like I said, he's gone on and done La La Land, which is a musical, and then mm. he's done First Man, which is completely separate. But what he he obviously he he focuses on on sound design a lot, and you can focus on the noises that are in there. So you've got like you can hear every single footstep and every page turn and every bead of sweat that drips mm. down on the drum kit you can hear every single thing but most of the time you know outside of that it's just silence mm. and that that works perfectly because it just yeah it just brings out that that noise of you know the band and the drum kit so well because you yeah. just have this uncomfortable silence in between what I kind of like about that is it almost it 
tells the story, especially in terms of sound design, it tells the story from the perspective of the musicians there. It doesn't, it sort of cancels out the sort of average, normal, sort of ambient sounds that anyone else would just sort of pick up and in any other film would be focused on. And this, it focuses on the, all the individual things. The music, obviously, but the distractions, the page mm. turns, the things that don't quite fit in. It's like, it's so exemplified. Again, you're talking about like footsteps and the, those those small things and that, that small um, sort of um, push in um, sound design, editing and all that sort of thing. I think that's I mean, obviously definitely deserving of, a, uh, of an Academy, uh, oh, can't say it? Academy Award. Um, almost definitely. But I think, again, just unique. And I think that's one thing you can keep saying about this film in lots of different departments is that it is unique. Um, yeah, but the, the sound design, absolutely stunning. Um, what I will shift onto is talking about specifically, um, we're going to talk about the main actors because I feel like there's quite a lot to say. Um, I'm going to start with my um, personal favourite of the two and that's J.K. Simmons. Because J.K. Simmons not only is always a win, but in this, I, I feel like this must be one of his best performances. Um, I would go as far as to say it's one of my favourite performances of all time. Yeah, I, that's understandable. I yeah. absolutely, uh, he is, um, I didn't double check with you if, if I can swear, but... Oh no, you can. Good. <laughs> Um, because J.K. Simmons is one of the most insufferable pieces of shit in this film I've ever seen, and he just makes my skin crawl, and I love him. I just mm. love to hate he's, he's one of those characters you just love to hate. Yeah, I think, yeah, exactly. You, you got it bang on the head there. It, it, it's, it's, you just, you would never want to meet this person, but you love watching them, like, do what they do, because it's I don't know, there's something so um, almost mystical about it. Like, when he's on screen, he just, like, he takes... It, it, the focus is on him the whole time. He just captures all the attention of everyone who's there, probably on set, mm. whilst watching as well. Anything else is going on, it doesn't matter. You're always focused. And it's that I love, again, leaning into the direction slightly as well. That, um, that famous scene, of course, um, which was in the sort of short film, where he flings a chair um, at Andrew's head... <laughs> um, it's, it's the standout <clears throat> moment of the film really isn't it it's, it's brilliant but what what I love about it is because at this point he was actually being really nice to Andrew he was being sort of he'd had that sort of encounter where he'd just kick someone out and he'd like screamed in their face but he was being nice to Andrew and you thought oh he's the new guy he's going to be nice to him he's just giving him like a little speech as well like he was being really nice um, giving him that boost he needed and he's, even though the focus should be on the drumming and watching that happen, the focus is all on J.K. Simmons and you're watching him just sort of stand there sort of with a sort of blank expression, sort of listening along and you're just sort of waiting. Is like, does he like yeah. it? Is he doing something right? Is he doing something wrong? Because most people who watch this film might not have a clue of the specifics of like um, music theory or like even like playing and all that sort of thing, the whole... Um, aspects of it so you can't even work out whether it's good or not and you're just sitting there going I don't know and then obviously he flings the chair at his head <laughs> and then you find out but I love the again just part of J.K. Simmons' performance is that he can just capture the attention of anyone who's watching him especially as it seems the director as well who took the choice to use that moment to showcase 
uh, Fletcher, opposed to the actual drumming, which is what we can hear. The only thing we can hear is the drumming, but we can see Fletcher's reaction and a sort of elongated re reaction, not just a quick reaction shot, but like a full-on mm. just waiting for something. And it just, it's phenomenal. It really yeah. is. And the line delivery is just, oh. I mean... It's sublime. The, the line delivery is... Yeah. And, you know, the whole, were you rushing or were you dragging? <laughs> and mm. he's he's... He's a genuinely hilarious character as well. If he wasn't so disgusting, he would be hilarious. But, yeah. you know, lines like, I will fuck you like a pig. And, <laughs> you, know, you know... Yeah, they are great are lines. Fucking acapella group. Yeah. Amazing, amazing. And also, another... Because another scene that, that stood out to me as well, because I think it, we, we just get it perfectly, it's just a little bit earlier on mm. when we have the... the there's someone out of tune mm. and he's pinpoint you can see he's pinpointing bit section by section of the orchestra who it is and he's going through and then he finds this guy on the end who is the same guy who plays him in, in the short film as well mm. mm -hmm. um and he's like not you alma fudd and absolutely rips him to pieces and, and I, yeah i think the best thing about that though again it's not even him who was out of tune, which I, I, I love. That's the best part of that, that that scene. Is just like you've watched all that, and you know, like he knows it wasn't him who was out of tune, but he didn't know, and it's like, oh, that's brilliant. That is yeah. so clever. Genius! It's absolute genius. What? Oh, this such a good performance. Absolutely. I mean, one of my one of my particular favorite scenes. Um, well, there's a couple more with the Simmons that I love. I mean, every scene with Simmons in this film is, is phenomenal, let's not lie. Um, mm -hmm. But I like the jazz club scene. Um, because although yeah. there's, a, there's an element... But I suppose it, the film... We'll talk about this um, in a bit, but the film is left open almost to interpretation a little bit towards the end. Um, I think that's a perfect note to end on. But I love that his character in the jazz club scene is sort of after he's been kicked out of the school. Um and he's um, talking to Andrew about like why he was like what he was like, and and sort of saying that like you know almost like tough love. He just wants he wants to find the next big thing and, and all that sort of thing. Obviously, we find out that like he was trying to set um, Miles Tiller's character there up for you know embarrassment publicly on that stage. Mm -hmm. I just I love the idea that actually, but is that what he believes? Because J.K. Simmons just performed it beautifully. It's so well done because, yeah, he's an absolute asshole all the way through this film. Yeah, I'm sitting there and going, I really like this character and I actually understand what he's saying. Yeah. He's supposed to be a villain, apparently, sure. I, when I looked at like clips and like YouTube comments, everyone's like, this is a film where the villain wins. I'm like, but is he a villain though? I mean, he's an well, asshole, but this, is he this a villain? Is, yeah, well, this is where I... So I mentioned to you before... Um, we started recording that I I have a little head cannon which is just oh, what, yeah. what's played in my head. So this is what it links to. So I I think so the whole of that that section in the jazz club mm. it all pretty much ends on the point where he says there are no two words in the English language more harmful than good job. Yeah. Right. Great line. Incredible and, line, yeah. Yeah. And Obviously, then it goes on, and we find out that 
he's set him up for this for this big concert at the end mm. and you know giving him the wrong music and he's absolutely fucked him over so mm. Fletcher's won mm. and it's well because as well it it's more it, less of a music film and like the second half of this film is essentially a revenge thriller it's mm. it's like it's like it's like a tamer version of the to, prestige it really is yeah <laughs> just without the, the, the beards yeah. and dead birds and broken fingers and shit just yeah. without all that <laughs> it's trying to he's trying to get one back and yeah he does but then the whole point is is that you know andrew then builds his way back up he he walks off the stage he comes back on and he mm. just lets fucking rip and he just goes mm. for it yeah and that's the point where we're meant to think i mean this might be a point that everyone's like yeah that's the point of the film i i haven't seen people mention it but you know this is meant to be the point where it's like andrew wins andrew he he's been beaten down to everything and now he's become the next best thing mm. but the last thing just before the end of the film the last thing you see is a close up of jk simmons's eyes as he nods and smiles in appreciation and in my eyes that's his final win oh, fletcher has won because he said to him good job and that's it. He said, good job. I've now fucked your career. He mm. thinks that's the worst thing he could do to him in that moment. Mm. That's how I always saw it. But I ju- that's why I love this. Because it's it's just a, it's a full-on tragedy for both of them. Yeah. Bo- they both end the film in absolute shit. Absolute shit situations. Do you think? Because I'm 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 the total opposite end of that. Well, what do you think then? My my perspective on the end of the film is because um, I I feel like it is somewhat left open to interpretation a little bit. Because um, obviously you know like he he's he's done up uh, Marcella's character. He, he walks off. That's that. Fletcher's won. Andrew comes back on stage, starts playing, cues everyone else in, takes total control. This obviously pisses Fletcher off. He comes out. He says he's going to gouge his eyes out, and he almost gets hit with the symbol, which I think is a brilliant sort of little bit. But the mm. fact that Fletcher goes along with it, and towards the end comes over back to Andrew, sort of guides him down and picks it back up in sort of con- take, not just taking control back. I don't think it's about that sort of thing winning, but it's. I think there's a point in that performance when Andrew's just going ham on the drum kit. That Fletcher is found that one sort of once-in-a-lifetime drum player. He's always wanted to find, and that's what you're saying in the jazz club, he always wanted to find that one player, that one talent. doesn't matter where it was, drums, you know, um, wind instruments, singing, whatever, it doesn't actually matter. It's like <laughs> he wanted to find that one phenomenal, sort of almost abnormal player, and he got that. And I think that final shot where you don't even you only see his eyes but you know that he's smiling because his sort of cheeks rise up and you get a shot of um andrew who's sitting there and he grins back at him before obviously the final um sort of drum solo the final note and then it cuts to black i think that's an exception of that they've both 
got what they want. Andrew's proven this himself as a so strong player. Then. He's proven himself. This. He's proven himself. He's got to where he always wanted to. He's trained for this for so long. And he's, you know, he thought he lost his chance, but he's got it. This is him becoming the next big drummer. And Fletcher's got what he always wanted, which was to find that talent and be able to be the one to bring him into the spotlight. That's what both of them wanted. So I, I love the idea behind that they're both in the shit at the end. But on reflection of that, my yeah. point of view is I think they're both at the best point in their lives. It's what they've both always wanted yeah. to be and the best I, of the best. I, I think it's incredible that you can have a film where you think they're at the highest of their highs mm. and I think they're at the lowest of their yeah. lows. And both of them make sense. Both of them make total sense. Because, and that, that's a credit to the filmmaking, I think. Is, is, yeah, like, yeah. I think I think there's just just that moment. I think it's, it's the point of Fletcher, you know, he... He's explained why he does it. We get why he acts like this, and it mm. makes sense. He wants to grind someone down. Essentially, you have to beat someone down to build them back up to be the, mm. the best musician that they can be. And I, I, just, I just think that that last shot is him. That I think there's a moment where you can see it and it, I don't know. This is just in my head, but like, it's almost like, do I make this person I hate the prodigy I always wanted, mm. or do I <laughs> snatch it away from them at the last minute <laughs> by one telling them good job, doing the worst thing that he thinks he could do, whether it actually works or not is irrelevant in Fletcher's mind. That is the worst thing that he could do to him at that point is to give him praise because he just wants to push him even further. Yeah. But, yeah, that I think he chooses the wrong thing and I think he chooses revenge and he, he does what he thinks is the worst thing he could do to Andrew and I think Andrew accepts it and I think they're both fucked is, is that's, how I see it. That's that's honestly I love that and I love that interpretation of it. I love I your just, interpretation. I can't of it. see I just the I can only kind of like as much as I love that I can only kind of see it in this. I suppose it's when you first interpret it but the thing is my favorite maybe films I'm, maybe I'm just a horrifying pessimist. Maybe <laughs> I'm just so down but, and horrible but, that that's the only way I can see I, it. I know a lot of people don't like films that are left open to interpretation but my favourite films all of them are left open to interpretation The Shining The Lighthouse Whiplash all films mm -hmm. that end on a note where you go well that could have happened or it could be that or it could be that and I love with Whiplash it's not as like complex it's not like hundreds of different things that could have happened but there are it's one, it's one side of the coin did they both end up in the shit or did they both you know end on the sort of getting exactly what they wanted the way, i think the way i look at it just the whole way through you know that story about and i can't remember the guy's name but the, the story fletcher keeps telling um about that is it a drum charlie player? parker yeah oh, it not, charlie parker getting a cymbal thrown at his head that's it yeah yeah and he keeps bringing that up and the fact that it's highlighted more than once in the film to end on that sort of note where it's like he has done the worst possible thing he has destroyed this guy's confidence he's got him to walk off stage he's ruined his career and he's come back and fought back and given probably the best performance that Fletcher's ever seen on the drum kit. It's like, shit. I, I, that was me throwing the symbol. Like, I've done that. That's, 
this is the performance I've been waiting for my whole yeah. life. And that sort of mutual grin at each other is them both knowing that, yeah, they don't have to like each other, but they've both got what they want. And it's because of each other. He, you know, Andrew would never have made it if it wasn't for the push from Fletcher. And Fletcher would never have got here if he hadn't been such an arsehole <laughs> to push Andrew <laughs> to that point. And that's, I, I, again, I love the fact that it's open to interpretation. But I think, yeah, that's that's uh, that's how I, every time I've seen the film, that's how I've come out of it looking at it. I've been like, it's, but again, that could just be because I want to look at it in an optimistic light. But I love, again, on the topic of the ending, just before we round off the first break um, of this podcast episode, I I really love the note it ends on. I love the fact that this sort of, there's that, the whole drum solo. And obviously in the song, there's that natural break of silence. And that's the part where mm. they both look at each other and there's that final note. You get that sort of character moment in that silence and that final note and just as that final sort of drum sort of um hit happens it cuts to black and that's the yeah. end of the film and it's you know it's fucking beautiful <laughs> it's, it's the only way I it can is put it. It, the hot that whole final sequence in in, in that, that that concert mm. every single second of it to me is perfect I cannot find any fault because there's, you know, the the way they play, you know, Andrew having to fuck up and, mm. you know, having the wrong music. But then as well, it, it's all of the other... It, and another thing I just want to touch on. Yeah, yeah. Just this one moment where you see his dad through the yes. glass in the door and it's... It looks like a shot from a horror film yeah. because you know you're like he's seeing something so horrific mm. happened to his son. It's just a great shot. I just love that whole that whole is that, final sequence. Is that how you interpret that then? Yeah. Do you? In- oh right. Okay. That's, well, what that's do, how do you interpret it? <laughs> um, for me, it's like what. <laughs> That's really interesting. I've never thought of it like that, but you're probably right. I, the way I always looked at it was that sort of shot is not of sort of, yeah, in, in a way sort of horrified, but almost totally in shock because he's never heard his son properly perform. Not that we've seen in the film. Certainly not that we've seen since he's been working with Fletcher. And, he, you know, the yeah. dinner the dinner table scene where he's like, look, you know, He's, everyone's talking about like how how good the other parts of the family are and their sort of sports stuff, and he's like talking about his music, and no one seems to give a shit. I feel like that's his dad realizing, holy shit, <laughs> like, because I I always get like a sort of I always get goosebumps when I see that shot because it is again it gives that sort of it incites that reaction from like a horror film where it's like someone seeing something horrifying. But for me, it's like like in that moment, the dad's like. Oh, I underestimated my own son. Like I never knew. Like I just thought he enjoyed this shit. I didn't think it was like. Yeah. See, I've never, I've never taken no. it like that. And like 
Wait, the thing is, this is the thing that we'll both come away from this. We'll both go to YouTube, we'll both look at that scene again, and we're both going to see each other's interpretations and go, oh, fucking hell, yeah. <laughs> yeah um, and then we're just going to completely swap over. Which is, yeah, absolutely. Oh. Um, but yeah, that is, film. that is where I'm going to end uh, the sort of first chunk of this podcast. We're going to go for a quick break. Uh, when we come back, we're going to be taking a jump over to the record spinner and then continue some more discussion specifically about Miles Teller's performance as Andrew in the film, amongst other things generally. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, see you in a minute. Welcome back to Spill Your Beans with George Sheard. Um, I'm here with Josh Carr, as I was before. Um, hope you enjoyed your little break there. Today... Um... Me, too. Me too. I hope you did too. <laughs> hope you had a great but time. I am now ready... I'm ready for my beans to be spilled. Ex- yeah, exactly. You, George. That's don't yeah. <laughs> I'm never gonna say that again. <laughs> never say that again. Um we're gonna be heading over to the record spinner. So the record spinner is a little segment which I'm not really sure how to introduce because I <laughs> unlike you, Josh, and your podcast, I haven't got an eye for these things like uh little um intros little themes to these little subjects i'm just going to say what it is and then <laughs> hopefully i can do no. something in the edit um Go so the record player it. is I'm sure you can <laughs> the record player um the record player the record spinner is a segment here where i'll ask you if there's a notable um sort of particular film soundtrack or specific singular track from a film that you hold incredibly dearly if you could get rid of every other you're never allowed to listen to any other film soundtrack ever again you've got to pick one and you've got it on this this lovely sort of vinyl and a record player basically desert island discs but (laughs) with with a film soundtrack um what kind of springs to mind for you there do you think bloody hell that's hard Mm. um so, I mean, beforehand, you mentioned to me I had to prepare something to do with soundtracks. Yeah, that's, have, have, that's yeah, what have, I was have, told. Have a think, yeah. So, I'm, I mean, in, in terms of ones that I jotted down, which I don't think I'm, I'm going to... Thinking about it now, I might not go for any of these. <laughs> so, a few, that, a, few, a few mentions that I wanted to throw out. Mm. A couple that are, you know, sort of vanilla picks... They're, mm. they're very obvious. Pulp Fiction, Back to the Future. Of course. Unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, one that I don't think would get mentioned often is Nowhere Boy, which mm-hmm. is one of my all-time favourite films. Um, I don't know if you've seen it. I George. haven't even heard of it, to be honest. You haven't heard of it? I haven't well, heard of it, it is, yeah. It is a John Lennon biopic um, about his early life. So the ending point of the film is as John is about to leave for Hamburg with the Beatles. Mm. So it's it's his his late teenage years, essentially, Mm -hmm. um, of him like being in high school. And it revolves around his relationship with his mother and... It, and him meeting Paul McCartney for the first time, it's oh, it's sublime. Um, fun fact: I I actually, due to the fact that I was on holiday, 
I missed the chance to audition to be in that film. Blimey. Which, which, yeah, which is it's heartbreaking because it is one of my favourite films mm. of all time. Um, and the, the cogs only clicked afterwards that they, about a year earlier before this came out, they did open auditions at my school um, to look for ba- like band members for the Quarrymen, mm. which I believe my music teacher and my drama teacher, because I was taking both of those subjects at GCSE, mm. wanted me to audition for, but I was on holiday. Mm. So... That was a, that, that that was a sickener, um, but anyway, that's got a cracking soundtrack. Um, I love the Beatles music in there. Well, it's it's sort of like it's not really got any Beatles music in it, mm. which is amazing for a Beatles film. It's it's beautiful. Um, School of Rock, Baby Driver. Oh god, this is hard. Right, I think I've I think I've made a decision. Oh, god, hit me with it. None of those. It is none of those films. At the minute, I'm just so I I can put in a whole film soundtrack, yeah. or just a song. Yeah, if you want, up to you. I'm, Either I'm, a singular I'm, track or a whole soundtrack. I'm torn. I'm torn between two. Okay. At this moment in time, I will I will open this to the floor. Okay two that are just close to my heart for nostalgia reasons so one is pure imagination from Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory oh that's perfect yeah beautiful Mm. and then one is the entire soundtrack to my favourite film of all time which is Mary Poppins oh oh two very good choices there I love that so I'm trying to pick and I think think I love Mary Poppins but I'm going to put pure imagination in that's a fantastic choice yeah I just love and I it, it's not just the song which is obviously beautiful but that whole sequence mm. of um like I, it's just carved in my memory um, I watch it every Christmas Eve, without fail. That's that's a great tradition. Um, and I just love I love the moment where he he drinks out of the buttercup mm. and then takes a bite Eat out it, of it. Yeah. And I love them all running around and grabbing the sweets. Um, yeah, I'm gonna go for that. It it it's that, that was hard for me. That is yeah. I love Mary Poppins, like unbelievably. And some individual songs in there are 10 out of 10s. But mm. Pure Imagination. Pure Imagination is a fantastic choice. I, I, I love... Um, the reason I wanted to sort of make this segment is because I feel like that people can have loads of film discussions, but one thing I feel like gets overlooked, not like all the time, because obviously there's a lot of famous film soundtracks out there, but is, is music and film and how important that is and how wonderful it can be. And what a choice for the first... Um, episode we've got of this podcast to have pure imagination because that is absolutely a, a wonderful wonderful track from a brilliant film as well um i hadn't seen it for years until i watched it uh, just over christmas recently so again oh, really yeah i i watched it when yeah. i was younger but i never sort of because i was of that generation that when i was younger it was the tim burton one that came out so i always kind of preferred that one because it's felt more modern but when i went back and watched both of them this christmas 
killer. Had a, had a great time. Back to back. Um, yeah. And they're th- so much better, the original. It, it is. Um, I, I mean, because it's... Roald Dahl adaptations are always weird because mm. usually the best adaptations of his films are the ones that he personally hated because um, he hated that film. He hated Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Because it wasn't which, accurate to the book or something, wasn't it? It, it was, wasn't accurate yeah. at all. Nah, I mean, the, the Tim Burton one is much more accurate. Um, mm. But I just, I, just not a fan of, I'm not a fan of the Tim Burton version. Mm. I, I think it is... I, I'm, I, I just can't... And I am very happy to admit that this is just purely based on my allegiances to the original... Um, with it being one of my one of my favourite films ever, and just li- literally always on in my house during my childhood. So when the Tim Burton one came out, even as I was probably about seven or eight, I think I just watched it and went, nah, nah, this mm. ain't this ain't for me. I think for me when I was because it must I must have been about four or five when it came out. And like that, alongside like I remember the um, the Game Boy Advanced video game tie-in. <laughs> oh, <wow. laughs> I, I remember I remember all the way back then, um, and like the jigsaw puzzles and all the game. I had like a board game of it, so it's like most of my nostalgia yeah, comes massive, from that one. Wasn't it? Yeah, it, it was. was it was massive. I think that they're doing a. I think Taika Waititi's doing a series. I think an animated series on Netflix he is. with it. Yeah, but he I'm is. looking forward to that. Um, it should be interesting. Yeah, if if anyone's gonna do it justice, yeah, it's Tyker. I think, hundred mm. percent. I think that is a match made in heaven. I'd love to see him play Willy Wonka himself. I think he. I, I think he actually'd be a perfect Willy Wonka, wouldn't he? I he think actually would. He'd be perfect. I think if they were gonna do a remake of of Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, which I don't think they should. I know they're doing a a, a series based on. I don't know whether it's a prequel series. It might be based but on the it, sequel because it's um, there's obviously there's the two books, wasn't there? There was them. Um, yeah, the, the Great Glass Elevator. Great Glass Elevator. Yeah. So, but yeah. Well, if they get if they get in a Charlie Bucket, I think. Um, oh, I've completely forgotten his name. I'm dreadful. Um, but the kid from Jojo Rabbit. I was going to say yeah, the kid. Perfect sense. <laughs> yeah. Because he's incredible, and him alongside <laughs> Taika Waititi's. You yeah, know, Willy Wonka. Oh, I'd, I'd love, love it. to see that. I'd love it. I mean, yeah. I wouldn't want a remake, but if they ever were to do one, it's 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 that. That's um, that's how I'd want them to do it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But yeah, no, a great choice um, for the very first record spinner that we've got. Uh, Pure Imagination, a wonderful song um, from Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Um, but yeah, no, that's fantastic. Um, and God bless Gene Wilder. Yes, of course. absolutely. God bless that man. Wonderful man. Um, we'll get to the next segment after the next uh, break in about 20 minutes time but uh, we're going to continue talking about Whiplash which is what this um, sort of podcast review is uh, we talked before the break about J.K. Simmons Fletcher um, but I think it's time we jump over to Miles Teller as well because he also did a phenomenal bloody performance in this film um, mm. alongside J.K. Simmons again I love J.K. Simmons as an actor one of my favourites and it's quite a difficult job to be able to like you know, there's certain actors where it is quite difficult to sort of command the screen presence um, when you're in the proximity of them. And I think J.K. Simmons is one of them. And I think Miles Teller did a brilliant job in this film of being able to actually almost dictate what was happening in the scene, especially when in the same scene as someone like J.K. Simmons. 
Mm. I completely agree. I think it's it's a it's a cracking performance. Mm. Um, well, I think I, I I touched on it earlier, but he I think he he was okay on the drums beforehand. Mm. Um, but from what what I've looked into as well is that for about two weeks beforehand, Damien Chazelle, the director and writer, mm. actually taught Miles Teller how to drum like within a couple of weeks before shooting. That's mad. Um, and he, as far as I've read, I don't know how true this is, but apparently does a, around about 90-odd percent of all of the drumming in the film. That's insane. Yeah. Just, it's crazy, 90%? I yeah. can't like that um, is yeah because uh, uh, you actually touched on it earlier as well I'm mm. sorry I'm throwing this all over the place <laughs> but I just re- I read so much about this film mm. yesterday and it just fascinated me because you mentioned about it being almost like like an autobiographical film mm. and in a way it it is because a lot of it uh, Andrew is is partially based on Damien Chazelle mm. who during high school had a an abusive music teacher mm. and this is based on his experiences obviously it's not it's not exact but mm. i think yeah miles teller was you, you can see why he went so far out of his way to get him in because mm. he nails this and when you watch the short film even though it's still great it yeah something's missing yeah and that thing is miles teller because everything else is pretty much exactly the same Mm. apart from the set and the lighting which is not really a key element in this yeah of course not and yeah teller is missing so like so much in that scene in that short film um yeah he's just Mm. he's out of this world um and what they, what they had to, him and Simmons put themselves through mm. <laughs> to make this film as well. Like it's an intense, yeah, film. And yeah, just the way they, they filmed it in such a short amount of time mm. as well. And I mean, it's an intense film to watch. And again, as you just said, like the fact that they shot it like in such a short space of time is incredible. I can't imagine what it would be like on set, though. It must be so hectic <laughs> to get that mm. filmed and done um but yeah no marvelous i think um sort of uh, best moments for miles teller uh, and his character in the film um are there any particular moments that sort of are highlighted for you that, that sort of stand out um i love the there's a montage scene mm which I think takes place. I don't know when about when. When does it take place? I'm trying to remember. Um, but it, it's around about halfway through the film, where he's drumming, and it's essentially him, you know, trying to nail these these sheets, and mm. you know, trying to trying to nail these charts, and he's his hands are just coated in blood. And his face is contorting in mm. ways that I've never seen a face go before. Mm. Like, like he's being, like tortured, which he is in a, in a way. Mm. Um, and you keep seeing sort of the same 
sort of things, but repeated. And you know, he's plunging his hand in the in the jug full of ice. Yeah. And I love that, and it's yeah, it's a great it's a great montage in terms of other other moments. Just that that final scene again. Yeah. I can't, yeah. I can't keep I, I keep going to this final scene just because it's. It's like the, it's like a final battle, in mm. like a, it's like a the equivalent of like a lightsaber fight in a in a Star Wars film. <laughs> yeah, it's it's just so. I don't know. There's just something about it, but he's incredible in that. And well, obviously, any moment that he's he's drumming, he's obviously put everything into learning to drum to such a high standard mm. in such a short amount of time yeah it's incredible no it is absolutely i think uh, a scene that stands out for me um particularly for his acting performance but also for the um directing and editing um is the scene where he's late um for is it the rehearsal or the, the actual performance and he sort of he leaves oh, his he leaves the, his drumsticks yeah. um at the car rental place when the bus breaks down um he races to get there. You know, he's Billy Big Bollocks. He has a fantastic sort of exchange with J.K. Simmons. They really clash at that point. And he's like, you're not giving this part away. This is my part and I'm taking it. Pushing J.K. Simmons to be like, well, if you're not on stage and you, even if you make one mistake, you're, go- you're, you're not even part of this anymore. You're going, like, you had your chance. You've been like a smarmy little git. So mm-hmm. that's that thing. And because I think that the best thing about that, and I know this is not too much with the performance but generally I think the best thing about that scene um, is the choice to let the audience in on the fact that we know and we are the only people who know um, in this scene where those uh, drumsticks actually are I feel I think Miles Teller Mm -hmm. might have a sort of inkling because we don't actually see a reaction to them not being in the car I don't think but it's when you know he's, he's doing this you're like don't dig yourself a hole because you're not going to be able to get on stage in time. There is yeah. no chance. They, it's yeah, they set it up perfectly, don't they? Because you see, you see the drumsticks on the chair. Yeah, and then you see the amount of time that it takes mm. on the on yeah. the sat nav yeah. to get from there to there, and it's nine minutes, and he's got eleven to get there and back mm. and get on stage. It's impossible. Like it's physically impossible. He's no, he's never going to do it. I think when it when it comes round and, and he's on the way back and you know I, I don't this is the one thing is is with with films and this is it's not so much criticism it's just and it because it's perfectly done don't get me wrong but I think it's um almost cliched at this point that when a car scene is being shot from that sort of side angle where your focus is yeah. on what's outside the window he's gonna get hit by a truck <laughs> you know it's 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 gonna happen I love the way they do it in this film. Um, don't get me wrong, but I'm so. Oh, I sat there. I was like, yeah, it, I can. I know what where this is going. Like he's gonna get yeah. like. But I think the way they did it in this film, it, not as gen, not generic because I almost didn't try to catch you off guard. It wasn't like a jump scare or anything. It didn't go silent and then it happened. It was building up. It sort of had the music, the suspense, the noises, the so like the the editing was so quick paced like shots of the clock shots of the songs this that this and it's just all over the place and then bang gets hit and then he crawls out the car and runs and it's like oh my god yeah. um yeah i think yeah i but i love that because 
that entire thing from him leaving the drumsticks on the chair um, to him on stage messing it up like after a car crash understandably um, that the whole thing is from the second he leaves those drumsticks and there you're going right so this is this is going to go wrong now of course you're rooting for this character but you're like there's no way he's coming out of this properly that this is going to end badly and especially how like how far you are with the film i think that's a very well done scene i think it gets overlooked because there are so many wonderful scenes in this film but that entire sequence of um the story i i think is is genuinely like phenomenal the way they do it and how it's put together and because the audience knows from the get-go about five even ten minutes before he even gets on stage and messes up and gets kicked out like you know from the second he puts those drumsticks down that this is this is going to go in that direction and he is yeah. you know for lack of a better phrase fucked and that's yeah. that yeah we, we seem to be using that phrase a lot to sum up this film it's just the words fucked <laughs> right. just, but it does just mm. does just nail it doesn't it um, yeah. and also at the end of that sequence when he just charges through the drum kit at J.K. Simmons yeah. and, and batters him to the floor. Yeah. And he's just snapped. He's absolutely snapped. I and Yeah. It's, it's weird because actually, in a way, in a weird way, out of that entire sequence, that's the one, like, rational thing that I think Miles Teller, uh, Miles Teller's character actually did in that moment. Yeah was just launch himself because at that point you're just like well there's nothing else i can do like i am gone and this man has ruined me like the only thing he could have done at that point well i suppose he could have sat there and walked out like with dignity (laughs) but yeah yeah that 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 was that was brilliant what a like what an end to that phenomenal sequence just i i know i'm i'm coming across as like whiplash wiki (laughs) no no go for it there's, there's some incredible thing um when they did that, um, Miles Teller cracked two of J.K. Simmons' ribs. Um, which, yeah. So this is during the 19 days. So all of these things happened. So J.K. Simmons had two cracked ribs for half of the filming because of that scene. And Jesus. Also, that, like, this just shows how much they put into it as well, is that they originally, we going back to the tempo scene, where he's slapping him mm. for the tempo. Mm. They originally wanted to do that, just fake movie slaps. Mm. Um, but eventually everybody just decided, let's just slap him for real. <laughs> um, I imagine Miles Teller was the last person on board for that. Yeah. Because getting slapped repeatedly by J.K. Simmons is not how I'd want to spend like a, a Tuesday afternoon no. at work. Um, but yeah, they, they just put fucking everything into this yeah like as well apparently half of the half of the blood that's on the drum kits is miles teller's actual blood you know that's not shit that's not fake i didn't didn't even know that that's mad yeah that's from drumming just because he'd drummed so much i think i imagine it it was probably because there's one scene as well that we haven't touched on Hmm. which is where um there's the three drummers and he's rotating between the three of them for about six hours Mm. until one of them gets it right and then he says 
you weren't the part. And just that that final bit where he's just screaming faster, faster, mm. faster, and there's just blood pouring onto the drum kit and sweat and Miles, like I said, Miles Teller's face is doing things that a face should not do. Mm. Like it, mm. it's moving in ways that like just don't look human. Like yeah. his eyes are twitching and his mouth is like all curled up and he's just drumming his heart and I love the moments as well in this film where you get all of the side characters just like we said with the dad mm. in, in the final scene you get so many moments where the side characters just look on in horror mm. and just look on in awe at what they're seeing Yeah, and it's like they're telling us like this is this is fucking insane You, it's okay to react like that yeah, as well yeah yeah I love it. I think there's a, there's, a, there's a thing about this film as well, and it's focus on, um, weirdly enough, and it's a, a weird way of putting it, but the focus on sort of um, liquid and the way that's shot. There's a lot of shots mm. of the drum kit close up, especially the symbols, a lot of iconic shots of the individual beads of sweat and blood dribbling down the drum kit. But I think there's such yeah. a weird focus on that, that for some reason this feels so much more brutal than any horror film could like produce because of the how personal and how in pain again as you were saying about master's performance as, uh, as well how in pain and sort of suffered he actually looks uh, and feels and gives off and it's it's so mm-hmm. personal um yeah I, I i think that's that's that and i think but the only other thing that i can really think of in this film um would be the scene with um sort of potential girlfriend which is interesting um that sort of subplot which is kind of it's done very well but just to touch on Miles Teller's performance because we'll talk more about that after the next break because um, I've got a few things I want to say about that but um, mm-hmm. Miles Teller's performance in those scenes is really good as well because as much as you are told that Fletcher's the dick in this film he's the villain actually <laughs> Andrew's also a bit of a dick he's like you know I'm I'm the yeah. next big thing like I am you know I haven't got time for this you know dating shit like i've got my own life to <laughs> it's like really weird i was yeah. like oh wow you're a bit of a dick as well cool um yeah great <laughs> um but it's like you, you it's it's almost like like fletcher is like infecting him because mm. the closer mm. he gets to fletcher the more of a dick he becomes yeah he's he, on until we hit that bit where they you know he tackles him to the ground you know he's slowly getting like more and more of an asshole Mm. and closer to what Fletcher is yeah throughout the film exactly um yeah I think that's that's brilliantly put um we're gonna go on another quick break before we um jump back we've got a few more things that I'd like to talk about which are I mean it'll be a very small segment but the the negatives of this film if there are any a final score out of 10 Mm -hmm. Um, but before we get to all that, right after the break, we're going to be talking to Josh about, and this is this is the this is the name and a half um, about his pick for the 64K Ultra Mega HD range, um, which we'll be getting to in just a moment. So I'll see you after the break. <laughs> Okay, 
Okay, welcome back to the final part of um, the very first um, one-on-one film review podcast we've got going on here on Spill Your Beans. Uh, we're talking about Whiplash, but before we get back to the discussion on Whiplash, we've got another sort of personal uh, question from Mr. Josh Carr. Uh, this is a little segment we call, <laughs> we'll say it again, the 64K Ultra Mega High Definition Range. This is where I'll ask you to pick a single film um, that you would like to see released on the most prestigious, high-definition, out-there, exclusive range you'll ever get to see. We've got DVDs, Blu-rays, 4Ks, Steelbooks, Criterion Collections, but this is the top of the crop. Barely any film gets released on this, and it is your job to pick one film that you would like to see get in this exclusive uh, range. So, I'll uh, let you take that away. It can be a film that you either like love, it's your favourite film, or it can be a film that you think would just be the best to have on the highest possible quality. Let's just pretend that this fictional yeah. range comes with a fantastic audio set of fantastic visuals, everything. See, yeah, there's two sides to this mm. point. I mean, again, you, you gave me limited details. Yeah, about on this, purpose, yeah. Um, which has meant that I've turned up with a list of about 30 films um, that I'm now having to whittle down in my head that, that if I'm honest, all fit this criteria. But, mm. yeah, there's a few. See, the, na- the the most obvious one that I could go for now is Mary Poppins. Mm. But I I don't want to see it in, in Ultra HD and mm. all, all that jazz. I love the fact... That it's all grainy and it. Mm. I, I I think the best way to watch Mary Poppins is probably on VHS. Um. Mm. So I don't, I don't think I can pick it. Sorry, Mary. <laughs> um, I adore you, but mm. oh, this is tough. This is tough. Ah. Uh, I mean, there's some there's some others in here that. That I definitely could pick. I mean, there's some really re- like quite recent films. Mm. Like I think the past ten years has given us some insane films. I mean, again, like, like don't don't be put off by the idea of it being ultra HD or anything like that. I think as well. Yeah. I mean, I look at like the original Star Wars films, which have recently been released on 4K, and although you know they are 4K, they do hold a lot of that original charm, a lot of that feeling of that film grain, and you know it's not like. I- it's not going to be totally revamped, but it is, you know. I know. It's this I know. exclusive. I think range. I've made it. I think I might have made a decision. What is your decision for the first entry for the sixty-four K ultra mega high definition range? <laughs> I think it's a decision that you'll be happy about. Okay. Um, just because I think if you can make it, as if this film isn't visceral and intense and horrifying enough. I think, okay. you know, giving it giving it that that umph to make it as if you're you're sat in it would just make it horrifying. Mm-hmm. And I I had sorry I know I'm I'm dragging this out. Oh yeah, no, it's I'm good. It's good. The suspense, the suspense is um, building. So, <laughs> um, I I had the immense pleasure of seeing this film in the cinema last year. Um, in that weird bit between mm. lockdowns. Mm when cinemas reopened but they were just showing old films mm. um 
I went to my local picture house, Cinema City in Norwich. Oh, it's beautiful. Mm. It's in it's in like an an abandoned churchy place. Oh wow. It's gorgeous. Mm. Um and I went and watched The Shining. It's an excellent choice. Which <laughs> which um and I'd I'd seen it only once before. I, I only watched it a few years ago. Um mm. because I put it off out of sheer terror and dread mm-hmm. um like just a, a bit of backstory like my my dad is obsessed with jack nicholson <laughs> to quite an unhealthy level mm-hmm. um yeah. he has a jack he has jack nicholson tattooed on his arm wow he loves jack nicholson um it's like his favorite person on earth um so my dad had always gone you need to watch the shining you need to watch the shining but he'd always terrified me because he said once he'd, he'd fallen asleep watching The Shining and my sister had come out of bed in the middle of the night in in a nightie that was similar to the dress that the twins wore <laughs> and had just stood over his... You know how kids do when they just stand over their parents instead of waking them up yeah. and just wait for them to That's move. That's insane. And he said... He said he woke up and it was the single scariest moment of his entire life. That's and I, <laughs> I've just been I I've just been put off ever since. I watched it a couple of years ago, and I was right to be put off because that film is absolutely fucking horrifying. Mm. But it's also brilliant, and I just yeah. think imagine, imagine like the the way that I'm seeing this segment is sitting at the like the BFI IMAX. Oh, yeah. In London, at South Bank, where the your the screen light surrounds you, and I imagine sitting there as the blood is pouring out of the the lift, mm. and that oh, it's making my skin crawl. But I want it to it's happen. An I'd love to see it. Absolutely fantastic choice. I, you know, as someone whose um, favorite film for a while was The Shining. Uh, probably my second, or maybe still first. I haven't seen it in ages, so um, it's definitely up there for me, and I, I definitely stand by that. It's a brilliant film, and mm-hmm. yeah, I, I, I think as well, it's one of those ones that can be sort of, you know, um, picked up in, in the sort of highest quality and still look gorgeous. It'll have that classic feel to it, whilst yeah, it, it's 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 a once in a lifetime film. It really is. There's not many of them like that. Um, yeah, it's. It's phenomenal, and I, I, that's a bang-on pick for that. Um, I'm not going to say too much about The Shining. I'm trying to hold myself back, because there's so much I can say, but I'm trying to be like, yeah. well, I know I can talk about this in a podcast down the road. Um, yeah, no, no, no. Let's, we won't but, go into too much detail. But, yeah, that is but. a fantastic choice, um, and a very, very happy first edition um, to this segment. <laughs> I've just realised that the two films that I was picking between were Mary Poppins and The Shining. Two very similar films. <laughs> very similar films. Yeah. You know, such a similar vibe. Just, I mean, to throw out some other names that, that popped into my head, Toy Story 2. Mm, excellent choice. Perfect film. Mm. Um, Moon. Moon. Oh, that's a good, cho- that's a good choice. Yeah, I've, never, I've not heard that yeah. one as like a... As a go-to, but Moon is fantastic. Yeah, and another one, another one that was thrown around in my head was, I, I think I had to pick The Shining over this, but just because it's probably one of my favourite films ever, mm. and I think it's severely underrated, which is Prisoners. 
Mm, um, I haven't seen that one. With, oh, oh, mm. oh, it's incredible. Um, <laughs> Jake Gyllenhaal, Hugh Jackman. Like you sold me already. You, know, you sold me already. It, um, who, uh, Paul Dano. Oh. Um, the cast is sublime, mm. and it's like it's one of the best like psychological crime thrillers I've ever seen in my in my life. Mm. And if you if oh, if you love a film that's open for interpretation, mm. watch Prisoners. Okay. Because okay, that's that's. I, I don't want to say okay. anything else. That's that's good. If yeah, yeah, please watch. I definitely anyway, I almost definitely will. I don't want to ruin anything. Um, and then obviously Cornetto trilogy. Oh yeah, well. yeah. I mean that's oh. a given. Those are brilliant films. Um, but yeah, um, from here, um. I thought we talk about is there any negatives to Whiplash? I mean, it's one of those films that I absolutely adore. Um, and it's probably one of my favourites. So I don't know if there is anything I can say that's too negative about it, but I'll open the floor. Um, can I be one of those annoying people who says yeah. that negative is that it's probably just too short? I it's never it's never a criticism that I aim at a film. Mm. I think films that go over two hours, um, are probably just overdoing it a bit. Mm. Most of the time, I think I can give special dispensation to something like Avengers Endgame, which it's not really a film, is it? It's, <laughs> it's sort of just an explosion of 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 content <laughs> in your eyes. Um, but Whiplash is just one film that, if it was twice as long, I'd still adore it. Mm. Um, so it's not it's not really a criticism, is it? Um, you mentioned it before the. The, the love interest subplot. Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say. Actually, yeah, is <clears throat> it, it's a bit weak. It feels I like it was. See. It feels like it was sort of thrown in there. I mean, I, I do, I do like yeah. it, but it wasn't sort of. What? What? I, the only thing I did like about that was kind of that it was a little bit sort of realistic. The awkwardness of it was quite realistic, but at the same time, it sort of had a weird. Um, when they went out to eat on the sort of first or second date or something, it gave me like a baby driver vibe, which is a total different vibe to the rest of the film, and it just feels really out of place. You watch any scene from this film, and it fits perfectly. This sort of subplot for me just didn't really at all, which is fine. Yeah. But it's just yeah, no. Um, um, I think if you'd have replaced, I I, I think there's a version of this film. Whether this is good or not, I mean, mm. I'm I'm not a writer and director who's you know a multi Oscar nominee, so I'm not going to say that I can improve Whiplash, but I would be intrigued to see a version of this film where that element was taken out and we had a bit more time of with with Miles and his dad, yeah, and exploring that, that relationship. That would have been yeah. I, I think you could. I think there's a lot that you could do there mm. with Miles and his dad and that relationship with his father and his relationship with this horrifying father figure that is mm. J.K. Simmons. Yeah. I, th- I think there's definitely stuff that can be done there. So a, a dad that loves him unconditionally but doesn't really understand his interest, but then you've got the sort of father figure in J.K. Simmons which understands thoroughly his interest but has absolutely no fucking love for him at all. And I yeah. like that. I think if it was developed, you, you could have added a really interesting idea. I mean, I like the father figure anyway um, in it, 
but I feel that the romantic subplot did like when that could just be removed from it. It, I don't want to say it's filler because it still worked and it still was interesting and it still had some great moments. Like, of course, when he like broke up with her because of his career, like that was a you, you kind of needed that for the um, the point of Miles Teller's uh, character to really sort of show that right. Okay, I'm I'm obsessed mm. with this now and I can't let go of it. Um, but I feel that I just wish either they'd given it more development or try or replaced it with something else entirely because it just kind yeah, of feels I, a bit I, half I can half fast. Yeah, I can see its purpose, mm. and I get why it's there and why it's needed. Mm. But I think they, yeah, I, I think it's like you said, you you go all in with it or you go all out with it, and you know you you can't sort of have your half your foot halfway through the door with it. Of course you know, not. It's no. got to be done to a to a high standard. Absolutely. Um, yeah. It's um yeah. yeah, but I think that's probably the only sort of downside of the film that I can um, sort of really think of. I mean, other than that, it's pretty bang on. Um, before we talk about our sort of general ratings out of 10, um, I'm going to read out some hot takes from Twitter. Because I asked uh, Twitter a while ago um, for some general sort of hot takes on the film. Okay. Um, and we've got some sort of interesting things here. Not really many like super hot takes a lot of people just going not only really a hot take but I quite like this film I'm like yeah I think well, I think a lot of people do um, yeah but yeah <laughs> so there are some good ones here um, we'll start with um, Tim who said not much a hot take but do you think the film would have uh, had the same impact if it was with a different instrument I feel the movement uh, of playing the drums lends itself um, way to tension which is definitely a fair point to make. I think the drums did work on that, but I think that's why it's a that's why it's you know a good a good film. I think I don't know if it could work with another instrument. I mean, maybe, but no, not I, to the I, same I level. Definitely, I definitely don't think it could. No. I mean, definitely not another jazz instrument. No, um, there are no other jazz because they're all so. Every other instrument is naturally quite static mm. even guitar like you're you, you you can play the guitar standing still and just you know play it mm. still you can do that if you want it's the people behind it that put the movement in mm. whereas drums you you are forced into this insane intense movement you can't sit still and play the drums you you have to yeah move all over the place so i think it is really the only thing that works um i think i mean, I, I don't think it would work with another musical instrument but no. i think could it work with a sport i think we've probably Maybe. seen that film or i it's think probably even made. i think it's like yeah. a yeah i think it's a like it is sort of like a played out like a sports film like you know the way that you mm. have this mentor student relationship yeah um yeah, yeah that's interesting uh we got one from michael mills which says uh, genuinely love it although i can't unsee that the film um it's a film in which a victim of abuse finally wins the approval of his abuser that's a really interesting take actually um yeah because it 
you're not wrong. You know, I mean, like that's that is kind of what it is in a way. Um, yeah, especially if you take my interpretation of the ending with that, it's it is like that. You know what I mean? Um, mm-hmm. But I don't know. I feel like yeah, it it's it's a that's a really difficult one. I, I you know I, I like I like that as a take, but it's it, yeah, it's it's like you said, it's it's completely down to how you mm. interpret the film mm. and. Like we've established Absolutely. that we interpret it in completely different ways, mm. which is, a, you know, it's what film analysis is about. Um, but it's, a, it's an interesting, it's an interesting idea. I think um, as a film, you know, it, it it works for what it does. You know, neither of the characters are good people by any sort of stretch of the imagination, really. But that's mm-hmm. kind of the point, and I I have to say I like that. To be honest, I like how that dynamic depending on whatever direction it goes in it, it plays on each other until you know it's it, i suppose that's why i like it is because it is a good story it has development both of these characters develop into the people they are at the end where i you know either or what happens do they end up in shit or do they end up both being um in a great place you know it doesn't matter they both end up different to how they started and that development is done through their interactions with each other and that development um of that sort of teacher-student relationship um, that we've got going on. It's an interesting take, though. But, um, yeah, no, I, 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 I'd agree it is that, and that is probably somewhat of a downside, but I think, again, it is all their down to interpretation. Um, yeah. Of And see, from my side of it, I yeah, I see it as the, as the opposite. Mm. So, it's, mm. yeah, it, it depends how you see it, really. Yeah. Um, Jimmy Wolf says, um, I actually find it kind of uncomfortable to watch, but in a good way. Uh, because when a piece of fiction, especially psychological, manages to conjure up these kind of responses, you know, both the film and its performers are doing their job well. I couldn't agree more. It's, it is very uncomfortable to watch, but that is what makes it so good. Um, because, mm-hmm. and I think that's what kind of where the payoff at the end of the film comes from. It's sort of, it is a relief almost. Um, you especially at the end of that performance you feel a sense of relief anyway but it you know right at the end of the film everything sort of comes together and you go right that's perfect you're sort of left wanting more um, but that uncomfortability is kind of pushed in lots of different directions throughout the film to a point where it is it lands on a in my opinion a really we've talked about this like about a really great note um, mm. it's uncomfortable it's not nice to watch but it it's perfect because of that, and that is paid off through the ending. Yeah, yeah. it's pretty good. Um, and finally, <laughs> Jessica Ellis has said, um, <laughs> "I reckon." Oh, here we go. <laughs> uh, I reckon Josh may break up with me for this, but I think it is possibly the most boring film he's ever made me sit through, and that's saying something. I <laughs> I apologise for the views of my girlfriend she's i sat her down mm. and i said look these are two of the best films i've ever seen and those two films were whiplash and nightcrawler mm-hmm. and she despised them both <laughs> she absolutely hated them so i do not understand the point of them she 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 just didn't get it I, and i uh I don't know. 
she yeah. does understand. I mean, what can she I does say? Under- She's wrong. She does understand the point of a hot take, though, because that is by far the hottest take we've got there, and that, that is, is the brilliant. hottest take um, possible. Yeah, um, I I couldn't disagree more, but it is certainly a hot take, and I have to give it credit for that. I, I love her. I love her dearly, but <laughs> she's wrong. <laughs> and um, on that lovely note, um, we'll sort of wrap up our thoughts. Do you have a sort of rating out of ten for this film? Ugh. Hmm. Well, I think there's. I think there's only one. You know, if if we've had that little negatives, mm. you know, there's not really a lot that I could shave off a ten. Mm. So, I'd probably go, probably go for a nine. Are we doing decimals? Up to you. It depends on the up decimals. To you. Up to you. I'm not going to do decimals, but it's up to you. I'm going to give it a nine. Solid. Uh, I'm going to go ten. Because I think it's brilliant, and I, and I, as much as I think, it, as much as I am, I know it's starting a film podcast by giving a ten star, uh, ten star, ten, uh, ten out of ten rating for a film, but I am very careful with that, and this is one of the very, very few films that I will give. 10 I've out changed. Of 10. I've changed my mind already. <laughs> I've changed my mind. You got eight um, out of ten because <laughs> you're right. Well, no, yeah, the only thing that I'd shave off is just that relationship with the girl with mm. the girlfriend but i think if that's I can't but i knock think off a whole i think I if that's the only for me point. if that's the only i think that's like because I, I have to come up with some sort of negative to say about the film that's like that is at a push because it's still well made even if it feels a little bit off and i could remove it but yeah for me 9.5 girlfriend i'll go 9.5 that's brilliant and um, yeah, on that note, I think that's basically um, all of Whiplash kind of covered, more or less. Thank you so much for joining me, Josh. Uh, thank you very much. Um, thank you so much for having me. And thanks all uh, who are listening on either Spotify or any good podcast provider. Uh, it's much appreciated. Stick around for more episodes in the future. And uh, yeah, I hope you've enjoyed it. Make sure you follow the socials of the podcast. And of course, uh, Josh and his podcast, Who Knew as well. Um, Thanks for listening, and I'll see you all later. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.